0: Welcome to the Shed Wireless, a podcast for shedders, produced by the Australian Men's Shed Association and hosted by
1: John Paul Young.
2: Yeah, there's something for
3: you at the men's shed.
2: Well, hello, and welcome back to the podcast for shedders, made in Australia and heard all over the world. Here's what we'll be talking about in this episode. We have two Shedders in the spotlight this time around. John Kennis and James McMaster join me from Robertson Men's Shed to talk about a community partnership restoring cricket bats and in particular one very special bat on its way to the Governor-General's own Admiralty House. On the tools, we're talking to a serious metal lathe guru. Oh, Mark Boland from T-Rex wrote a song about him. Mal Conum, retirement hobby fashioning Hercus lathe spare parts has him busier than he was at his working life. Now, how's your balance? In Ask the Doc, we hear from an exercise physiologist about the importance of keeping your balance into older age. I know mine's not perfect. A spot of fishing with Butch and Ripwood Chip drops by with his musings on mates. I hope they're listening. As they used to say in the factory, you know what mates do. Is your shed the best worst shed in Australia? Well, Fair Dinkum Builds is on the lookout and there's some pretty great prizes up for grabs. This is going to be a great competition. By the way, if you've got a friend you think might be interested in listening, shedders from all over the world are listening on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, all of our past episodes are online at menshed.org.
3: You're listening to the Shed Wireless with John Paul Young. It's a podcast for shedders. So shed all your cares and woes and listen in.
2: Yeah, there's something for you at the Mint
4: shed.
5: Shedder in the spotlight. Let's meet and learn about the life of one of our shedders.
2: My Shedder and the Spotlight guests today have joined me to talk about a particular project fostering social inclusion. John Kennis and James McMaster from Robertson Men'shed have been working with an organisation called Willow Where There's a Will. Now, this organisation is really something founded by a mother and son with a love for cricket and a desire to help young people with disabilities to participate in their communities. What started as a little business idea, sanding cricket bats down to become canvases, has evolved into a whole movement across 10 communities and over 770 artists using these cricket bats to create artworks, all in the name of creating social inclusion opportunities for young people with disabilities. John, can you tell me how this all
5: came to be? Angie Clark, the chairman of Where There's a Will, her son has autism spectrum disorder. Yeah, and um, her, her involvement is, uh, and, and how we got involved, she she decided that uh, she'd like, uh, her business is basically cricket bats and, and putting art on cricket bats um, and then auctioning them off to raise funds for, for the charity. Now, the charity's Australia-wide. Um, I, I, I just love that because
2: you wouldn't really think, you don't get up in the morning and think, oh, well, what can I do with that cricket bat?
5: That's right, exactly. you know,
2: and and for this to uh, to have grown into what it is, uh, just through a little germ of an idea like that, is it, just amazing.
5: It is, mm-hmm. yeah, and and I think the 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 reason behind it was she wanted to give her son some, some purpose, um, mm-hmm. and 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 something to do because he, not being really very employable as such, which most people with disabilities have have issues with, she yeah. thought this might be a way to get um him involved. Um, And and it sort of has grown immensely for her, um, Australia-wide. So she's, um, yeah. Anyway, she did the exhibition here in Robertson in the the local pub. And we we helped set all the cricket bats up for the display. Um, And from that one night in auction, she raised well over $10,000, you know, um, which, which was great. And then... Her view is, well, all the money raised should go back with, within the community that where it was raised and put back in to support people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. So, now, these uh, 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 Willow, he paints them. Yeah. No, he, he sands them down and gets them ready for the local artists. And what she does is it gets him involved with um, local artists in in whatever area she is, whether it be... Oh, in, I see. Right. Yeah. And then Will sort of provides a sort of inspiration for them, I suppose. And you're not too far from the from where the Don was uh, a
2: yep. famous uh, name down there, of course, at Barrel.
5: The Bradman Museum, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep, that's right. Well, um, that, that's where we're hoping, uh, and, and she has um, some cricket bats on display there at the moment, from what I understand. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, she's... Uh, She's really been devoted with where there's a will, the charity to sort of get it going Australia wide. And she's um, she does a thing with Will um, here in Robertson with the local cricket club called the Last Over, um, mm-hmm. where she gets um, where Will bowls or bats the last over of, of the match mm-hmm. as an inclusion thing within the, in the team. And she she's organised with cricket clubs around Australia to do the same thing to sort of. Tr- Get people with disabilities inclusive within the community, um, and we it thought the we, most marvellous thing it is. And, and we thought, as the men's shed is um, a, a, a place where people come to be included within community and and be inclusive, um, that people with disabilities are also welcome um, uh, into the shed, um, and and they are Australia wide. So um, we're sort of helping. Um, Jenny, uh sorry angie um uh, developed this uh if you like um there's... No, we'll, yeah like this link yeah no. it, it's a good link between the men's sheds and and what she's trying to achieve so we'll yeah it's it's just i just, i just love the uh, you know
2: I was giving a little bit of material to uh to research what what you're doing and and one of the one of the things that really got me was uh getting getting rid of that word disability and turning it into the word ability, ability. I just think that's marvelous that's right yeah.
0: yeah it's it's about inclusivity you know about um, and that's what the cricket thing is about where where Will plays in the the fourth grade team and he's part of considered to be part of that team but he's like the, he's like the um, the permanent 12th man and um, but he gets to, he gets to field and and be on the field and then gets to bowl or bat the last over of the game. You know, when the game's over, he come, he he gets involved and uh, and uh, they uh, he gets to bowl that over. Or you know, and one of the one of the things you see in Robinson quite regularly is Will at the cricket net sending down. He's got the longest run up of any cricket any bowler you've ever seen in the world. You
1: know,
0: yeah, and, uh, <laughs> and, he, and he flies in and lets go of these balls. And there's always someone from his team. who will be he'll be batting in the nets, and he'll be flying flying in, sending down these. Uh, Rockets. These rockets that he's—he's that, that well, he's yeah. a fast bowler. that's yeah, right. He's got about a four hundred meter run up. Yeah, It you know, <laughs> you know, comes off the fence, you know, it as does. they say, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know,
2: I—I—I I, I hate to throw throw a, a bit of myself in here, but I back in the seventies, I once faced Dennis Lilly. Right. Uh, uh, that, that over birth. An and uh, just for a joke, of course, he did the same thing. He pushed his back foot off the fence, <laughs> 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 came running, and I've never been so scared in all my life. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah. So,
5: uh,
2: you know, uh, doing something for the, the Governor-General?
5: Yeah, well, Angie, Angie was um, very privileged to um, get an invite into from the Governor-General to Admiralty House to... Um, talk about her, her charity, Where There's a Will. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he, he ended up playing cricket with Will on the, on the, on the lawn of Admiralty House, you know, um, exactly. you know? And, and it was a great day and um, uh, she sort of uh, explained how, how the Men's Shed, she'd like the Men's Shed movement to get involved and all that sort of thing and, and we know that Mr Hurley is a um, patron of the Australian Men's Shed Association. Indeed he is, yes. yeah. Yeah, um, so he, he, his passion for it is, is there as well. So, and, and then Angie sort of um, put to me um, that, you know, if we could get the men's shed involved in, or men's sheds involved in uh, creating, because we have a lot of good, and, and around Australia within the men shed movement, there are a lot of beautiful craftspeople around, you know, and some of the yeah. stuff they can produce is, is fantastic. So, yeah. um, and, and we have one here in James as well at, at Robertson. So, um, we, we put it out there that we'll, we'll do up a cricket bat. Um, and um, for display and, and and whatever to to help the charity. So, I'll, and I'll let Mark explain about about his idea with the cricket bat. But um, mm-hmm. we, we, we thought you know Robertson has a heritage railway here. It's it's sort of renowned for that from um, way past. So we we thought oh why don't we put a train on the on a cricket bat. So yeah. um, we did that and yeah it, it's uh, we've been privileged to. Um, been advised by Angie that the Governor General would like to have it at, at, on display at Admiralty House, so we thought fantastic. But, right. The, the name of the train is the what the NYC Hudson. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I'll, I'll let I'll let James talk to you about that and sure. his inspiration okay. behind it. So go for yeah. it, James.
0: So John, the um, the, uh, the kind of the inspiration came about. Well, well, John here, the president said to me. Um, you know, we want to make this connection with the charity. Um, let, let's sort of brainstorm and, and so on. I said, "Oh, well, let me think about it." And I'll, you know, whatever. And, and I'd been planning to, and my, for my own, uh, in my own workshop, to make this model of this um, New York City um, lo- loco called the Hudson, um, New York City Railway, um, and the steam engine was called the Hudson.
3: Mm-hmm. And
0: um, and I'd seen the plans and and the uh, for it. In the um, Australian Woodsmith magazine, right. And I'd had it sitting at home, thinking I'll make that for myself one day. Just one of those projects you've got in the back of your mind. And and I thought, wow, wouldn't that be a you know, title of um, you know, move away from the painting of the batch to something that's a bit more sculptural, right. And, uh, and I suggested to John, we we built the train, and and uh, and he thought, well, wow, great idea. So we I went ahead and did it, and um, yeah, it was. I guess it was always planned to be a kind of a team event, but because of COVID and shutdowns and stuff, I ended yeah. up just building it myself at home in my shed. And, oh. um, but uh, so, but the Hudson, the Hudson itself was the, the fastest steam engine ever built in the USA, in, in America
2: similar lines to our own express train from Sydney to Newcastle the yeah, that to of, the yeah the kind of yeah the yeah
0: Newcastle Flyer or whatever that was called That's yeah. right yeah. yeah It was the same sort of idea but apparently there was a bit of a competition at in the in the 1920s to uh between America and the UK and, and Britain to build the fastest steam train ever built uh-huh. and and the Hudson was the was the um American One anywhere at about 110 miles an hour which is around what 185 k's or
2: something like that yep it's pretty quick yeah uh, and and, and of course the british had the flying scotsman
0: well that wasn't the train that was the fastest in fact i had a bit of a read about it after i saw the hudson and in fact the fastest train the british ever built around that same time was called the mallard ah and the mallard went about. (laughs) yeah like yeah quack quack exactly yeah and um the Mallard went about. Uh, it was faster than the Hudson. It went uh, uh, about 120 miles an hour, so up around 200 k's. Wow! And and the Hudson, I think the Mallard from from memory was the train where they didn't even. They only slowed down to pick up water. It went through so much water that they they had these sort of dams on the side of the track and like a scoop on the side of the train. Wow! And they slowed down and it scooped up the water as it went along. I mean, I'm not a train buff, you know. I mean. I find them interesting but I'm not a I'm not a sort of a, a steam geek or anything like that, you know. But no. I just like the model. I've been making models all my life and and now that I'm retired I sort of make I tend to make intricate scale models of of, you know, all out of timber,
2: you know. I mean, they, they are a product of uh, one of the, the best artistic periods ever. Of oh, yeah, art, yeah. You know, yeah. Art deco period. Art deco, is, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, it's beautiful, beautiful yeah. work If
0: you. If you look at the Hudson compared to the Mallard, the Hudson's a, a piece of art where the Mallard's this ugly, ugly <laughs> <it's a laughs> <I problem. duck. laughs> <laughs> this sort of ugly looking thing, you know, but... In a, in a strange kind of way, streamlined, but not like the Hudson's got very streamlined, you know, Art Deco kind of look about it, you know, and, and that appealed to me, you know, that um, – but anyway, so that, that's where the idea came from. So I just yes. ended up building it at home in my shed basically, you know, and um, and not really – and thinking it would just be donated to the charity and be, you know, be sold off as an auction item, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but then Ange, Ange Clark um, – with a contact with uh, with government house, um, contacted uh, the governor, and um, and and he's agreed to um, accept it as a kind of a almost a talking point mm. linking um, that'll be kept at Admiralty House, um, linking the men's shed with the, the charity. I kind of I think he might be a patron of of the of the charity too. I'm not 100. percent Yes, sure he I'm. is. I think so. So he's a patron of the Men's Shed out of the charity and he's something that links the two together. So he's kind of, I think he's going to use it as a talking point um, uh, on display display at Admiralty House and then ultimately I guess it'll be given back to Ange to... to raise money for the charity, you know.
2: Yeah, it's it's a beautiful. I've got a, a small um, photo of it here, and uh, it looks it looks magnificent, and it looks like it's it looks like it's travelling across a rail bridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah well,
0: that's what. I, well, that was one of the things as I put the little feet on the bottom of the bat. I was sort of thinking as I did it. I was, you know, I, I tend to, I don't know, I, 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 when I make things like this, I tend to mull over it for a while, and and I. I I cut some pieces and sat it underneath, and thought about it. And I thought, well, yeah, okay, I'll just make it a bridge. And I thought about yeah. old rail bridges having those curved edges on them and those curved yeah. ends on them, and so on. And that's what I ended up doing. So it
2: looks it looks wonderful. Uh, I'll see if I can get a uh, get a copy of that, and we'll put it up on the website. It's wonderful. Yeah. Fantastic. Thanks very much for the chat, guys. Yeah, been a pleasure. No worries. All the best. Well, what a story and a fantastic initiative helping to create social inclusion. It really echoes what the heart of Men's Sheds is all about. You can find out more about Willow and even have a look at some of the cricket bat masterpieces at www.wheretheresawill.org.au. my next guest points out, I have a bit of history with metal, but I'm the first one to admit I wasn't very good at it. Lucky I had something else up my sleeve. But Conomy is somewhat of a metal lathe guru. In fact, what started out as a retirement project has become a passion and now Mal is busier and perhaps I could say even happier than he was in his working life. And also, after you listen to this Mal is also interested in hearing from other shedders because he needs some help to help make spare parts for these herkish uh, metal lathes. So if you think uh, you're up to the task, let us know at the shed wireless at menshed.net.
1: On the tools, on the
2: Shed Wireless, with John Paul Young. On the tools, we're taking a look at a machine with a rich history that's become a real passion for a lot of shedders. It's the metal lathe. And uh, we're about to meet a bloke who knows a thing or two about them. Uh, And I'm also joined by Marty Lees from the Australian Men's Shed Association. So there's myself and uh, Marty and Mal Conomy. G'day, Mal. How are you doing? Good, thanks, John. How did you come to be interested in metal lathes? Where did all this passion start? Uh, A bit of an accident, actually. Okay.
6: I uh, always wanted a a small metal lathe in my workshop at home and I I picked up a little Hercus lathe, which is an Australian made thing, Mm -hmm. and uh, in about a 1,000 pieces and I proceeded to restore it and I discovered fairly on in the piece that parts for them were pretty hard to find. So after I finished that project, I knew I was coming up for retirement so I thought I'd uh, make this a little project for the rest of my life. And what did you do before? I was a surveyor.
2: I wish I knew more about those theodolites and all that sort of stuff. Were you out on the field or were you in the, in the office? In the field. Mm-hmm. Oh, terrific, terrific.
6: Now, you know more about metalworking than I do. You bet a few bits of sheet metal.
2: Yes, that's right.
7: Well, I'm, I'm not a metal worker, Mel. I'm, I'm a chippy. I'm a wood butcher. So metal, metal is far from my forte, and metal on metal sounds scary to me. although I know is it, it's, it's very noisy to me. But, uh, mate, I'm told you know exactly how many of them are manufactured in Australia, and you started a bit of a register a few years ago. Is
1: that right?
6: Oh, well, I it with basically one, one brand of machine, although it's common to several others as well, parts anyway but that's uh, the Hercus Lay that was made by FW Hercus in South Australia. And they made about roughly 21,000 of them.
2: 21,000. Now, what, what's the history of it? Well, they,
6: uh, the company was actually 100 years old last year. Um, they actually started making a different style of machine in the, uh, the 20s. And then at the start of the Second World War, because we didn't have much up in the way of production, um, there was a tender put out for someone to copy an existing American machine, a South Bend lathe, which was what they wanted in the small arms factories. And Hercus won the bid and they copied the American lathe and started producing it for the war effort. And they actually produced a very large percentage of the small machine tools for the Second World War.
2: Yeah, I uh, I have a good friend of mine who worked at the Lithgow Small Arms Factory, so I'm i I'm assuming that would have been the, the machine he was he would have been using.
6: Either South Bends or Herkuses and there was another one, Sheridan, made by George Sheridan in Melbourne. Um there actually there are actually about forty four odd clones of the South Bend nine inch slave, which were manufactured all over the world, and a few of them in this country. But Hercus I think is probably about the biggest.
7: So why are you so passionate about these machines, Mal? What is it?
6: Uh, I think I'm just – I do everything at about 120%, I think. That's all it is. Whatever I take on, I I tend to go overboard with. Um, There's no real rationale for what I do. If you look from a common sense point of view, um, there's no point,
2: you know. So you're in Holbrook. Yeah. uh, Where that wonderful submarine sits in the – Wait.
6: Yeah, funny thing about HMA is that way well, I used to pass it on my way to school at Neutral Bay.
2: Ah, <laughs> oh, well there you go, eh? And, and it's followed you
7: all the way down to Holbrook. <laughs> yeah, it has. Yeah. So do you still get on the lathe a little bit yourself, or?
6: Well, I we, we manufacture parts, uh, spare parts for these machines. So yes, I do. Uh, I've got quite a few lathes. It's a full time thing for me, really. Uh, it's a hobby, but it's a you know, it's a twenty pretty much twenty four seven one. Um, I'm the real really
2: the only. Retirement's out of the question.
6: Uh, yeah, retirement's a little busier than my working life yes.
2: <laughs> Is this a surprise to you, Malcolm, that, that it's turned out this way?
6: Uh, look, when I originally took this on, I knew I had retirement coming up in a couple of years and uh, I thought this, this should be good for keep me busy a couple of days of the week, keep me out from under my wife's feet and keep me a bit sane but uh, I had no idea it was going to get this busy. It was all a bit of a shock, <laughs> but it's like the the saying is: if you um, if you do a job you you like, you never work a day in your life, and, and this is pretty much like that. Oh yeah, well, I consider myself lucky. Like, I mean, I've I've got a lot of uh, good friends I've, I've made, lots of acquaintances doing this. We have thousands and thousands of Hercules owners over the country and over the world, for that matter. And I converse with people, as you've discovered, with the ringing phones several
7: times, <laughs> multiple times a day.
6: And I could spend two hours on the phone talking to some of the owners. You know.
7: And you said you supply to a lot of the, you, you deal with a lot of men sheds, do you?
6: Well, I do. I do deal with a reasonable amount. Uh, there are some lucas lays in men sheds here, there, and everywhere. Not all. Not all of them are just running woodwork. Some of them are running metalwork.
2: Your, uh, your surname, Malcolm. Is there a story behind that?
6: Uh, my family was Greek originally. The original name was Economopolis so a bit of a mouthful.
4: Oh, okay.
6: Uh, it was not fashionable to be Greek back when my grandfather came here, so he truncated the name.
2: Right. Well, it did remind me of uh, you know Con the Fruiterer with his uh, with his van. You know, he's got my <laughs> name on him.
6: Well, it's economy. funny you should
2: mention that because guess what
6: my grandfather did for a living? What did he do? He owned several fruit markets.
7: <laughs> well, there you go. There
6: and you, go. you can probably guess what my brother and I's nickname was at school
7: Con the <laughs> a Con the <laughs> uh, I'm a name poor, more likely, but, uh, <laughs> Could have been worse, could have been Cole the Carpenter.
2: <laughs> <laughs> There's a few of them around. <laughs> and the other good one about the, uh, the lovely uh, Greek one I came, I saw, I concreted.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's like the house with the concrete columns and
2: <laughs> now I've
7: also been told here that you're in a you're in a band where you used to be in a band, a lead singer or a bass player. Are those sources yeah. correct? Because I know another bloke that was in a band. It didn't work out so well for him. But uh Oh I re- yeah. I remember you.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I go back to your time, mate, so I remember you. We did the Battle of the Bands too, mate. <laughs>
7: So what was your band like? What did you do? Pretty awful. <laughs> <laughs> hence, hence the metal lathe business, eh? Yes, absolutely.
6: <laughs> no, nah, look, I mean, uh, to fit you in on, on me in particular, um, i was always been an extreme depressive person. I had a lot of uh, problems in that area. Mm-hmm. And since I started doing this, 14 years, I have not had an instance of depression.
2: Wow. No, yeah, that's that's incredible. Did you think that that was going to happen when you started doing this, or was it a byproduct? Or look, I always knew I had
6: to be busy to right negate it to some degree, but never ever did it wipe it out
7: completely. Idle hands are the devil's workshop, mate. So keeping busy does help. It, it, the
6: idea that we have, you know, so many old tradesmen. Uh, Fitters and turners, uh, carpenters. Um, in my well, in my case, all metal related, but tool makers. These sort of people who are stuck at home in retirement, fleet up watching the TV when they could be out there doing something that would be a lot better for their mental health. You know?
2: Yeah. It's it's great to hear success stories like that, and especially you know, like, uh, you knew that uh, being busy was going to help, but it sounds like it 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 banished it by the sounds of things. Oh, it has. Yeah,
6: it's basically disappeared from my life altogether.
2: Beautiful story. Is that
7: one of the reasons you don't want to give it up?
6: Uh, I just like doing it. <laughs> that's as simple
7: as that. That's great. Uh,
6: creating something because we're constantly creating new parts for these machines as we expand the range of parts. I use the royal we in this, mm-hmm. but you know, so every day, every day you're doing something new, so it's it's never the same.
7: And as we discussed, like uh, JPY and I did a did one on timberlays. Or woodlays uh, a while ago, and there is something very cathartic about being on a lathe. And you see these videos on YouTube, the satisfying videos, and you see the, you know, just the metal, the shwarf coming off, and things like that. It's very oh, satisfying you, to watch.
0: You are
6: talking about the therapeutic effect,
7: absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> isn't it? Though, isn't it?
6: Yeah, it is. You no, know, I've got some old fashioned cam automatic machines, uh, pre C and to watch them, they just go cathunk, funk cathunk, cathunk, all the and uh-huh. You can just watch them, and they, you know you can get quite engrossed looking at them.
2: I think uh, I think I've got a new job for you, Malcolm. I think while you're hearing that kathunk thunk ka thunk, and uh, you used to be in a band, you could write a song to that.
6: <laughs> well, I, I just talked to my son actually not long ago, who's who's into writing songs, and uh, I'm sort of trying to organise a uh, a bit of equipment to
7: have a ga- lash at it again. <laughs>
2: I think it's a great idea.
7: <laughs> could, could be the next the shed theme song. You never know.
2: Yes, I think one of the biggest biggest hits of the Bee Gees they wrote th- to the uh, the humming engines of a of a seven four seven on a on an ultra long haul flight. So there you go. Well,
6: there, you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, songs, songs songs come from everywhere, pretty much, don't they? Yeah,
2: they sure do. Well, Malcolm, thank you very much for your uh, for your input. It's been really fantastic, and, and thank you, Marty, for, for joining in.
7: Thank you.
2: Thanks very much, guys.
6: Thank All you. Right. you. Bye bye. Bye.
5: Got a question? Ask the doc. Professor Rob McLaughlin from AMSA Partners Healthy Mail.
1: Thanks, JPY, and welcome, everyone. My name's Stuart Torrance. I'm the Men's Health Project Officer for the Australian Men's Shed Association. We're joined today by uh, Professor Rob McLaughlin, the Medical Director of Healthy Male. How are the things in your world, Rob? G'day, Stuart. I'm very well. How are you doing? Fantastic. Rob, what are we speaking about today? Well, this uh, topic came up today really
8: in response to a, a note we got from one of the shedders uh, who said that uh, a couple of years ago at our shed, we had a local physio come and talk to us about the importance of maintaining one's balance in later life. I think he's talking about physical balance, not any other sort of balance. And he suggested that an exercise where you stand on one leg at a time, which keeps the tendons and muscles in tune because they're the major performers in one's balance. Uh, and then he went on to say that when you're confident to do that and both are working well, try standing on one leg and closing your eyes, but make sure you do that in a narrow passageway or near a counter so you can grab onto it in case you start to topple over. But it, it did raise the whole issue about, you know, being strong and active and, and mobile and confident on your pins as you get older. And what can we do to uh, about that? How, we, how can we maintain that
1: important independence of living and what could possibly go wrong and what should we do about it? Rob, he's got a really good point there because, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sort of – in my uh, late 50s, getting into my 60s. And do you know what I've found? Putting on the jocks and the trousers in the morning, I used to be able to do that standing up.
3: Yes. Now, I've got
1: to, now I've got to sit down. What's that yeah. all about? I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll bring in Andrew Compton, accredited exercise physiologist for Better Health Matters. He's been working with a, um, uh, a men's shed up in Cairns, Mananda Shedd, I think it was. Uh, Andrew, you can clarify that for me. But uh, accredited exercise physiologist. Sounds a bit more involved than a gym teacher. And I think he might be able to help us with some of our questions and thoughts here this morning. Good morning, Andrew. How are you? Uh,
9: good morning, Stuart. Good morning, Rob.
1: Can you tell us a bit about the program you ran up at uh, the, the Men Shed?
9: Yeah, we're currently running a program set up by the federal government called Exercise Rights for Active Aging. And it- it's aimed at um, people over 65 and getting them more active, especially in the country. And we're currently running it with the the guys in the Melanda Men shed and we've yep. got about f- five gentlemen doing it at the moment.
1: Fantastic. Because balance balance is always a uh, difficulty. My, my father's in his 90s. And I know if he has a fall, you know, his, his bones are getting brittler and, uh, and so on. So it's a great concern. And we'd like to know that he's uh, all right to get from place to place. And uh, balance has a lot to do with that. Can you tell us a bit more, Andrew, about exercise, aging and, and the like? We'll leave it up to you to tell the, uh, the audience. Thank you.
9: Okay, so basically your balance is one of the most important ones you want to keep. And there's a few statistics floating around at the moment. Uh, one in three community dwelling adults, over 65 will experience a experience fall in Australia. And almost half of them uh, will experience some form of injury. Uh, two in three are aged over 90 and 25% of all falls will result in injuries. And 3% of all falls will result in hospitalization. And most of the, most falls are avoidable particularly if we look at uh, our surroundings. So there are three factors that affect falls, Um, our proprioception, our vestibular system, and um, our eyesight. So uh, we use our eyesight particularly to evaluate our environment and make strategies of where we're going to move. And if our vestibular system is playing up, which is our middle ear, Um, it's attuned to our movement. And when we age, our movement is reduced in our middle ear and therefore our brain takes a little time to react. Is that a bit like
1: seasickness?
9: It is very similar to seasickness. People who um, get seasick, uh, Rob can usually actually attuned to movement and have a more sensitive middle ear. So by proper planning, we can avoid most things. Um, so the other area is that we can avoid one of the things as we age is we lose muscle mass, and it doesn't have to be so. So through exercise, we increase our muscle mass and and strength. Um, we also lose the ability to produce power. So if we have low muscle power, it's linked to functional movements at home, being able to get on and off a toilet, in and out of a shower bath, um, climbing up and down stairs, as you mentioned before. One of the major things of falling that's just come out in study is uh, dual tasking. So that's where we're doing something else when we're walking. And so we we don't absorb observe our environment and we trip over things.
1: Oh, okay, we're just not paying attention. Is that what you're saying?
9: Basically, but um, yeah, so we could be looking at a ladder, uh, letter from the mailbox and not paying attention to our environment. Uh, we could be carrying groceries.
8: Using the mobile phone yeah. while you're walking along the road you see all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's a recipe for disaster surely. Andrew, exercise uh, or muscle strength, what sort of exercise are you talking about like walking or you're talking about weight bearing or weight training or, you know, got di- obviously they're different sorts of exercise. What's the one that's really important for
9: balance? Um, there's a, for the muscle strength, it's strengthening our our leg muscles, calf, and our glutes, which is our bottom muscles. So they're all very important in maintaining a nice stable base. It even even comes down to having a tactile feedback from our toes. So there's lots of little simple exercises we can do at home that can help improve um, the feedback that our our brain gets and make ourselves um, a little bit safer in our environments.
1: Andrew, can I do a little bit of myth busting just here? I've been told that walking around barefoot is good for your balance because you receive uh, information up through your feet in regards to the, uh, the, the surface that you're w- walking on. And that tells your brain to do certain things. Uh, is that right or is that just a, a wife's tale?
9: No, that's, um, to my knowledge, that's cr- actually correct. And it's once again, it's that tactile feedback. A lot of my clients that I see, uh, particularly um, people over 80, they lose that ability to be able to move through the ankles, the flexibility through the ankles, being able to um, crunch your toes. And therefore, if our balance or our postural position moves forward and our balance, our center of gravity moves forward, then we're in a position to fall. And if we don't have that ability to feel that through our toes and our feet and then counter-react that, then a fall is a lot more likely.
1: So keeping our joints and our muscles supple, um, is that something that we should be keeping an eye on? Should we be going to you know, get a massage uh, occasionally, uh, going and seeing a physiotherapist or a chiropractor? Are those things important to uh, balance?
9: Um, yes, probably not as much as the, the strength and the range of motion through our joints. If we can keep that range of motion and keep the um, the strength and power in our our leg muscles, then we stand a far better chance of staying upright and out of hospital.
1: Isn't that what we all want? Yes. <laughs> Andrew, Rob, uh, thanks very much, fellas, for uh, joining me today. with you. Um... Been a very interesting topic. I uh, I hope all our shedders are, are uh, well exercised and strengthened, uh, eat well and uh, do wonders for their health, prevent some falls. And I, I think uh, it's really important that uh, if we could get some exercise programs into the sheds, that would be wonderful because I think a, a lot of our members would uh, benefit from it.
8: Yeah, Andrew, is there uh, like you are talking about
1: simple exercises,
8: like you know, deep knee bends, holding onto the bench, or or standing up on your on your tippy toes, and you know all that kind of. Is there a a resource that people can access, like a or can the shedders refer to uh, a a website or a little YouTube or whatever for some good basic safe exercises? I mean, you know, they might. Listen to this and say, "I'd like to do something." Where do they go to find out something? And are all going to go to their physio? Goodness knows where they where they live. What sort of online resources might you recommend?
9: Yeah, that's um, that is actually quite a good question. <laughs> um, there's lots of information out there, but I would stick to your more uh, reputable sites like the Harvard. There's a Harvard um, Health Publishing Medical School. They have some exercises on balance and. It's just very, very basic. But the main things is uh, what we call sit-to-stands. They're very important. Uh, this is something you can just do at home, is um, standing and rising from your chair and then sitting down without using... using. Yeah. Um, that's, that's
8: what I meant, like a, a little chair. sort of five-minute video resource which shows you to do that. And, uh, you know, because it's, it's getting out of a chair, it's getting out of a deep car seat, it's getting up off the ground having played with your grandkids on the, on the carpet, you then had to stand up again. You know, all these things become quite challenging uh, and it would be lovely to have a little suite of exercises that the cheddars could refer to. Uh,
1: Andrew, Rob, thanks very much for joining me again this week on After the Doc and uh, we'll see you all again next time. Cheers now.
5: For a great range of resources and tools to help you live well, head to the Spanner in the Works website. You can just search it up or go to malehealth.org.au. Everything you hear on the Shed Wireless is created to inform and is not intended to be a substitute for personal advice from your doctor.
2: A big thanks to both Stuart Torres from the Australian Men's Shed Association and Professor Rog McLaughlin from Healthy Male. By the way, you'll find all our past episodes online wherever you get your podcasts or scroll through the list at menshed.org. And don't forget, if you have a good topic in mind, send me an email to theshedwireless at menshed.net. Nailed it!
9: Nailed
0: it!
8: Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it
3: with Rip Woodchip. G'day, Shadows, Rip Woodchip here. How y'all going today? Uh, I've just had a random call from me best mate, Macca. Haven't spoken to him for the miles, but we talk like we just saw each other yesterday. I guess that's how it is with your close mates like that. There ain't no BS idle chit-chat about the weather or anything like that. You just basically pick up where you left off and get straight into whatever seems to be happening at the time. He and I both understand that life gets in the way sometimes, so you may not make the effort as much as you should, but that don't matter a biscuit. I've known Mac now since I was knee-high to a grasshopper, and we've pretty much done it all together, and have stories that'll last us the rest of our lives, I reckon. They tend to get exaggerated a little bit as the years roll by, but then again, at the time, a lot of it was all new to us and seemed a lot more spectacular than it may have really been. You know what they say, the older you get, the better you were. Some of them fishing trips we had, I know will never be repeated, or at least I'll never feel the same as they did back then. Them days were wild and crazy, and all new to us, and when you look back at all them times and the memories, generally, they all have the same cast of fools in the mix. I reckon everyone you meet, even if for a slight second, contributes to the makeup of your character, so those you spend the most of your time with especially in the early years, have the biggest influence on you. I know me and Mac have the same deranged sense of humour, and if you were a fly on the wall during one of our drinking sessions, you'd be wondering if we were all right in the head. But we know exactly what we're talking about, and that's what matters. I've made plenty of friends over the years, but there's friends, and then there's mates. A mate is a bloke you can call up at any time, any day, you can ask him for the biggest favour, or to bow you out of trouble at a moment's notice and they drop everything, no questions asked, and no judgement. And Mac has proved that time and time again. They won't hold a grudge if you do doing wrong either. And in fact, they won't even mention it, and forget it even happened, as they can already tell you probably regret what you may have done or said. A mate knows you better than you know yourself at times, and a good mate also knows when you need a kick in the ass, and has the balls to tell you what you might need to hear, as opposed to what you might want to hear, because you might have been a real wombat. Unfortunately, I didn't always listen. But even if you do mess up now and again against their advice, they'd be there to help you clean up the mess, dust you off and send you on your way. Yeah, plenty of history, but also plenty of stories yet to come, I hope. Me and Mac and a few other of the hooligans, we still have plans. Maybe even a bucket list. But the list gets longer as the years get shorter. So maybe we better start putting some of them plans into action, eh? I'm going to be too old to wrestle an alligator soon. You can't put a price on a good mate. And if you're lucky enough to have a few, well, you're holding a pot of gold, let me tell you. Anyway, fellas, I reckon I've got a couple of more calls to make. See you next time, fellas. Catch ya.
9: Now it's time to talk fishing with Butch.
2: People out there probably haven't been fishing for a while because of the regulations with COVID, etc., etc. So a lot of your... Um, A lot of your equipment has been sitting around not doing much. So, Butch, what do you reckon about this uh, maintenance for for your gear, well, uh, for your boat especially?
10: Yeah, well, I think we should concentrate on one particular boat. Like, we're very familiar with it, John, I think most people are, and that's just a small boat that's on a trailer uh, powered by an outboard motor. That's just about every fisherman's sort of got that outfit unless you're going to big game fishing, and we don't want to be talking about that because it's a whole new maintenance regime with that. So basically what I think of, as soon as I'm thinking of going out in the boat, they haven't used for a long time, the main thing is the fuel, John. So you know the fuel can sort of spoil over months and months in your tank, and that's always a worry because you don't want to just throw the boat in the water and, and take off out into the you know wild and find out your motor conks out because the fuel's no good. Um, apparently there's some additive you can put in now, into the tank that re- sort of rejuvenates it. But I'm I'm not familiar with it. If I, if I had any doubts, I would empty the empty the tank somewhere safe, take it to a to a servo or something, and then drain the um, the fuel hose, take it off the motor, and um, drain that, and then put new fuel in, pump it up again. Make sure that your bulb that um, activates the pump so you get enough fuel. Make sure that's not perished because that can let air in. Once you let air into that bulb, you're in all sorts of trouble once you get the motor gets going and it's it's starved for fuel. So the fuel line is, I think it's the most important thing to start with. Uh, And then I'm thinking of steering cables. Now, (laughs) we've had uh, had
2: many a battle with the steering (laughs) cables.
10: I just think of those a couple of times. Anyway, look, the, the problem with some steering cable, the old ones especially, uh, that the cable it down the middle sort of sticks in the old grease and hardens up, and then you turn, turn the steering wheel and it's all jammed up and nothing works. So uh, one solution to that is to take the steering cable off the motor and then try and work it without the motor on there and get some WD-40 up there or something and free it up. Make sure it's freed up before you even think of going fishing. Uh, it's not so bad with... Um, these days with hydraulic steering, except that um, you've got to check that you've got enough uh, hydraulic fluid in your lines, and the only way to check that is to actually get in the boat and uh, twirl the wheel runway and back the other, and make sure you've got full movement in the in the in the motor. And as you know, if you if you lose some fluid, you have to turn that wheel heaps of times rather than you know just a few times like you normally do. Yes, so, when are you going to come up and fix ours? <laughs> Never mind. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> the other the other thing um, that I worry about if I haven't used the boat for a while is the uh, water pump. Now, if you turn your motor on and you've got water in there or you've got earmuffs onto, onto a hose, what should happen pretty quickly is that the telltale should spurt out the back. Now, that's just a thin stream of water. And um, if that's coming out quite strongly and it's, um, you know, gets, gets, warmish, lukewarm, then gets heated up a little bit, you know at least your impeller's okay because what can happen is the impeller over time, because it's rubber, it just gets brittle inside the pump and you turn it on for the first time and it all just breaks into pieces and can clog up your whole system and you've got to take the lower leg off, put a new impeller on. Now, the other thing that can stop the telltale from working, John, I think we've been through this too before, We wasps seems to make a nest yes. inside the telltale. Pile. Yeah, they do. It's amazing, isn't it? They just start, there's yep. just a little tiny hole out the back of a motor, and they get in there with their mud, and um, they make a mud nest in there, and no telltale comes out. So the quick fix there is to get a bit of wire that'll fit in that hole and push it in and out a couple of times, and what you'll find is the telltale will come out all dirty and muddy for a while, and then if it's all out, it'll just come out clear, and there's nothing wrong with your impeller.
2: Now what about the uh, the propeller itself the uh, the shaft in the propeller d- d- does uh, d- does that get worn at all?
10: what I would suggest is um, that shaft comes down into into the gear the gearing so if you're really good at it you can actually do your own oil change in the gearbox by undoing a couple of those screws top and bottom if you're no good at it or you can get it but you probably probably look it up online these days you know. It doesn't hurt to change the gear oil. Well, that's a good idea, John. That was a good point. So do that. Check your propeller. Make sure the nut on the back of the propeller has got still got the um, you know the uh, nail through it, the the split pin, because if that's come off, or, or you, next time you go out in you reverse, your propeller can come off. It's one of the you know what? it's one of the few things that hasn't happened to us over time, John. I was just about to say that. You know that's probably the only, the only thing that's never happened to us. <laughs> The other thing is um, if you lift your cover off your motor, it doesn't hurt to lubricate all, all the linkages, like your gear linkage, your uh, you know, accelerator linkage. They're pretty straightforward. You can see where they are and sometimes they're all gunked up and you can hit them with WD-40 to sort of dissolve the gunk and then just hit them with a um, – like, there's a new product there called Lithium Grease. I really like that. You spray that on and it just sticks to everything and it's a really good grease. Right. Uh, so that, that doesn't hurt. So no. that's just about it, mate. That, that sort of
2: covers it. Yeah, up. I mean, we uh, we have spoken in the past about the trailer and, uh, you know, the, the importance of the wheel bearings and uh, just check your couplings and things like that. Um, it doesn't hurt just to jack up your trailer, give your your wheels a bit of a wiggle, you know, and, and if, if there's a bit of play in there, then it probably means your bearings are need to be replaced. Well, thanks very much for that, uh, Butch. We'll talk to you
10: next time, mate. Okay, mate. Talk to you soon. Bye.
2: Mate. The Shed Wireless,
0: a podcast for shedders. Produced by the Australian Men's Shed Association across Australia and around the world.
2: Yeah, there's something for you at the Men's Shed. How's the condition of your shed? Bit of a rust bucket? Has it lost its shine? Fed Income Builds are on the lookout for Australia's best worst shed. Paul Buckwell is here to tell me how you can put yourself in the running for a serious upgrade. Welcome, Paul. Uh, Thank you, John. Now, tell me, what exactly are you looking for when you say
4: Australia's best, worst shed? We are looking for the worst sheds out there, the ugliest, the most uh, broken down sheds that you could imagine. If it's fallen over, that's what we want to see. If it's been (laughs) swept away by the fires, uh, whatever. we want to see those uh, rust buckets come through. Oh, wow. So it's, it's, it's not necessarily about how messy it is. No, no, it, it, it could be, absolutely. If you're a hoarder that has so much stuff in your shed that it's basically bursting at the seams, yep. send us a pick. We want to see it. Um, but uh, no, it, it really could be anything. It's, it's, uh, it's quite a broad uh, scope. We're just looking for a bit of uh, fun entertainment with uh, some of these horrible sheds that are out there.
2: Yes, I'm sure. Uh, you know, our listeners have, have been on a drive out bush and seen some of these things that are leaning at 45
4: degrees. Yeah, very much so. We've uh, we have had um, so many uh, pictures and videos of sheds sent in that are just uh, they're woeful.
2: <laughs> now, on your search, what's on offer? For the most dilapidated of these shacks.
4: Well, the first prize is actually uh, 30 grand towards a brand new uh, fed and build shed. Um, oh. And we've actually got uh, three major prizes into the yep. comp. So you've got uh, first prize is 30k. you've got uh, second prize is uh, 20,000 20, towards a new shed mm-hmm. and third prize is1 uh, 10000 dollars towards a new shed. And uh, we're also giving away weekly prizes as well of uh, $1,000 gift cards. That's
2: fantastic. That, that is really worthwhile. That is uh, certainly, you know, you're not skimping, that's for sure.
4: No, no, definitely not. We, we want this to be the biggest shed promotion in Australia, and I can tell you it's pretty much ramping up to be that at the moment. So as it stands, uh, we've had over four hundred and seventy five. Entries into the promo, and we've been running for about a week and a half now. Wow. Well, I think you're well on your way to,
2: uh, to uh, establishing that record you were talking about. Now, I'm sure we've got a few
4: listeners with some pretty sorry looking sheds. How can they enter? What do they have to do? It's easy. You just got to go to au forward slash winner shed and send us some pics of those horrible sheds you've got. If you've got uh, video as well, Bring it on! Take a video, give us a live tour of your uh, shed. Make sure you do it in a safe manner, but uh, <laughs> send us send us videos, uh, give us some uh, photos, and then also we're uh, we want to know the stories behind these dilapidated sheds as well. So you know, there's there's a lot of people that uh, don't you know haven't had the money to upgrade their shed, or uh, I think we've had somewhere. Um, uh, you know, family members have uh, destroyed the shed. Uh, it's become a, uh, uh, a youth retreat, whatever. Uh, if you've got a good <laughs> story that goes behind the, the shed, then uh, send it in to us, and uh, hopefully we can uh, get you get to get you something to win.
2: Yeah. So yeah, get those
4: photos together. Get out there.
2: I mean, if you don't you know how to work these fancy cameras, which <laughs> I don't, um, yeah, it's, it's just get out there and find somebody else to take the photo for you. You know. Yeah. Spot
4: on. Now, I'd love to see a few of those eyesores. Are you going to be sharing some of these entries? Absolutely. So we've already got them, uh, some of these amazing entries, are all up onto that uh, website, our Fed Income Builds website. Mm -hmm. Um, And we would absolutely encourage you to go and have a look at them and uh, to vote as well because uh, at the end of the day, it is um, the top uh, 10 votes are actually end up being our uh, top 10 votes that go down into the uh, top three. So... It's the most votes that win, um, so uh, get, on, get on board, get to voting, uh, go and support your friends and uh, family members who have submitted something, go and support any shedder that's actually uh, entered a, a shed, and, mm. uh, and then, um, yeah, basically the top 10 get uh, drawn, uh, we, we get the pick from the top 10 uh, for the major prize winners.
2: All right, all you shedders, get to it. Uh, Thanks very much, Paul. That's really, it's really, really exciting. You know, I I think uh, it's, I can't remember a competition like this where you're, um, you know, in the running to win something worth $30,000. So, you know, that's just a, that's a wonderful thing, you know. So thank you very much, Paul Buckwell. From uh, Fair Dinkum Builds, and uh, just get out there, clean the clear the chooks out of the shed. <laughs> <You can>
4: send <laughs> the photos in. Yeah, send the photos in and uh, get voting. So, thank you, John. My pleasure. Thanks very much, Paul Buckwell, there from Fair Dinkum Builds. Thank you.
2: Bye. Well, that's about it for now, but I'm really keen to hear from you about any of the topics in this episode. I'm especially keen to see some photos of Australia's best worst sheds and hear about the stories behind them. So drop me an email if you can. The email address is theshedwireless at menshed.net. You can check out The Shed online too for a few extra bits and pieces. Plus, all of our past episodes are online at menshed.org. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast for Shedders. Till next time, keep active. (music) Whatever is your game, everyone's the same Yeah, we can do it all at the men's shed Short, fat, tall, skinny, hairy ball In the shed, it's welcome on and all Share the skills you know, we're all having a go There's a helping hand in the men's shed